I'm reading a good book right now by Rabbi Steve Letter. Uh, he's a rabbi at the Wilshire uh, Synagogue Temple there for about the last 35 years. Wonderful writer, a wonderful preacher, although I've only heard him preach on YouTube. But um, in the foreword of this book, he tells a little joke or a little story about a man who went to his doctor and had his checkup. And while he was there, he complained that he thought his wife was going deaf. And, uh, and what could he do, he asked the doctor. So the doctor said to him, well, I'll tell you what you do. Here's a little test. Um, and this will help you determine the severity of her deafness. He said, when she's cooking and her back is to you, stand about 30 feet away and call out to her in a normal voice, honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? And wait for the answer. So he did so, and she didn't answer so the doctor said, if that happens, move up 15 feet closer and do it again. Call out to her in a normal voice, honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? So he did so, and she didn't answer. So he said, then move up only five feet away from her and in a louder voice say to her, honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? And she turned around and said to him, for the third friggin' time, chicken. Now, I wonder how many times that's us. We think we know it all. We think we heard it. We think we see it. We've got it all figured out. And maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. I think Jesus was keenly aware of people and their limitations, how we think we know it all sometimes, and how strangely we, we just haven't even begun to see. I am... Um, I write a reflection for the Scriptures every day on our Facebook page, and uh, on Sundays I include a saying. I uh, go to these different sites that have sayings of famous people and not-so-famous people, and there's this one today. I got it for uh, Albert Einstein. Let me read it to you because um, it's good. It's good. He says simply this, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. I think that's the truth. When you really understand it, you can, you can explain it to a child very clearly. But when you don't, we start filling it with all kinds of words and big ideas. And, you know, the church is superb at that. Here's the church describing, trans, uh, just describing the Eucharist. It's the mystery of the transubstantiation. And it tries to put it in simple terms. It says this, it looks like bread, it smells like bread, it tastes like bread, but it ain't bread. It's the body of Christ. Really? It doesn't remain bread and somehow Jesus comes through this bread to us? But no, it isn't bread. I guess it's not a scientific explanation, but it seems to me it's a lot of words. I'm not knocking transubstantiation. I believe in it. It's not that. It's just that why do we do that? Why do we complicate instead of keeping it simple? Jesus knew how to keep it simple. You know what he said? I'm the bread of life. Eat me. Drink me. Jesus was clear. He did not want to be just an idea in our heads or an idea that we talked about. He wanted that, but so much more. He didn't want us to just go over to a box 
I know it's the tabernacle, but you hear what I'm saying, and say Jesus is there. In fact, let me, let me read to you the opening prayer today. I want to read it exactly so that you don't think I'm making something up here or adding or detracting. Um, the prayer said, O God, who in this wonderful sacrament, body of Christ, who in this wonderful sacrament have left us a memorial of your passion, grant us so to revere the sacred mysteries of your body and blood that we may always experience in the tabernacle, oops, no, we may always experience on the altar, uh, oh no, oops, excuse me, we may always experience in ourselves, in ourselves, the fruits of your redemption. Jesus wanted us to consume his presence into our bodies and into our lives. Let me in. Let me in. You know, when I was growing up, uh, around um, in the 60s, I, I was uh, living about two blocks away from a Ralph's Market, down where three intersections of Vineland, uh, Lancashire, and Riverside Drive. And there was a big Ralph's Market, then an alley, and then a big Lutheran church. And the Lutheran church had a big stained glass window about the size of that whole, uh, you know, from floor to ceiling there. And it was Christ at the door knocking. It's a famous picture. Does anybody know what was different about the door? There's no handle on the outside. So like normal doors, you, you want to go in, you, you turn the handle, and you walk in. But on this door, there was nothing. It was just a door. And Jesus is knocking there. What's the implication of this, of this uh, picture? Who has to open the door? You. There's no handle for Jesus. So he knocks at the door. He's saying, let me in. I want into your life, not just an idea. I want to be a part of you. I want to love you. Let me eat me, drink me. That's what he says. Because Jesus knew that until we got so serious deep in our spirit to let him in, it's just an idea. You know, um, I was at seminary a few years ago on retreat, and I went to a talk by one of the younger priests, uh, about 10 years younger than me, who went to Rome and studied and became a scripture theologian, or at least a scripture professor. And he taught in a seminary, and he was doing a little reflection on this particular reading, or at least one of the uh, stories of the feeding of the 5,000, whatever, 3,000, 2,000. And um, he told us, because he had to learn Greek and Latin in order to become a uh, to receive his doctorate in Scripture. Well, I don't know any Greek. I mean, a, a word here or there. Uh, I know a little Latin, but I don't really know Latin. He could read it and probably speak it. Um, and he told us, beware. Don't you be an interpreter of this passage that says that uh, there was really food, that all the people had food. Uh, and, and that's what I believe. You cannot tell me if there were 5,000 men, there were probably at least two or 3,000 women, uh, and they, of course, brought their kids. So I'm going to assume there's about 10,000 people there, according to the Scriptures. And you cannot tell me that women would leave the house without in their bags and under their cloaks some food for their families. Come on, get with it. 
They, they, they pull out of the purse unbelievable treasures. You never know what's coming out of a woman's purse. So they had stuff there for their kids. They had to. And Jesus would know this. And also, people can be quite selfish and keep it. It's just for my family, please. And, and he said, do not interpret this. And don't ever tell people this, so I'm going to tell you this, okay? Um, some young whippersnapper priest telling me, don't tell anybody. He said, that's not the interpretation. And these Scripture words are very literal. Jesus took five loaves and two fish and multiplied them. That's one way of seeing it. That's the literal way. I prefer to go further because, quite frankly, I don't know what to do with that. I'm sorry. I, I, if, if, if that happened, Jesus took five loaves and two fish and, and fed even just 5,000, let alone eight or 10,000, you don't think every single one of those people would be a, a, a complete convert right at that second and never, ever, ever let go of Jesus, ever, but it didn't happen. They didn't go out there to eat food that day. They came to get spiritual food. They were there for healing and for his great teaching. And this became, it appears from the Scripture, on so many levels, metaphorically and spiritually, an opportunity for Jesus to show some deeper truths. So he took their physical hunger as well as their spiritual hunger, and he fed them, and it's interesting, uh, there were 12 wicker baskets left over. 12, hello. Why that number exactly? 12 apostles, 12 tribes of Israel. Hello. Do you think Luke is trying to tell us something? And he fed them, and they not only were satisfied, there was all these leftovers. So it's one of those, those, those wasteful miracles. Wasteful, way too much almost like a sign of infinite love. You think Luke's trying to tell us something? And let's just say, don't believe this. I'm going to tell you this, but don't believe it. I was told to tell you that, okay? What if Jesus just knew about human nature, knew these women were prepared, because they always are, and so he moved the whole crowd, the whole crowd to be concerned for one another, and as he preached to them about love and compassion and caring for the needs of others, serving one another, all this food came out. And everybody had enough. No, they were completely satisfied, and there were a ton of leftovers, like 12 wicker baskets. Quite frankly, I find that story more provocative. I think it's harder to move people's hearts than it is to, you know, stretch a meal. My mother could stretch a meal. I know when she went in for her hysterectomy, I was a little boy, didn't even know what it was, and she made a big thing of spaghetti before she left. And she said to my dad, Eddie, now this is how you multiply a little, put a can of this in, you know. And my dad stretched it for four days, four nights, because in those days women went in for hysterectomy. It wasn't overnight. It was a, a while that before they got out. We had spaghetti for four nights, and he called it the miracle of the spaghetti. That was my dad's miracle, and we talked about it for years. That was easy. But what about getting people from their hearts to desire, to desire to show compassion and love and generosity to one another? That's a real miracle, real miracle. So I don't know what the reality is. On one level, it doesn't matter to me. But what really matters is that 
when we come to the Eucharist that we are really desiring with the deepest hungers of our spirit for the Lord to come into our life. I know there's a lot of people that don't receive communion for all kinds of reasons. Some think they're not worthy. Some think that legally in the church they can't for whatever reason. And I long for the day that I come to a Mass. I mean a, a big Mass, not a morning Mass with 20 people. A big Mass with hundreds. And everybody goes, I'm going to just faint right on the floor right there if it ever happens. Because it won't. People just don't believe they can sometimes. But you know, I, I, I think we love putting all these restrictions on ourselves and on the church. We, we love doing that. And Jesus didn't. Jesus was much more open. Come, eat, drink, eat me, drink me, let me in. Let me in. And when we do, when we truly let the Lord in, He promises that we'll find life. Now, it's interesting because He says such crazy things to us sometimes. And what are we to believe? He says, love your enemies. Bless those, bless those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. Is he crazy? Is he crazy? Maybe he is. Crazy with love. But Jesus taught us, Jesus taught us that love is much more than just loving your brothers and sisters and the people who are close to your friends. That there is a need for love in this world. Look at this world. It is a world starving for love. Starving. So I hope that we come to this Eucharist and see it not just as eating a host or and we aren't drinking from the cup these days, but, but if we were, that, that is much more than it. It's, it's about letting Christ in through that bread and wine, through his body and blood, through his word, through his example, through those words on the cross. And when those come in, he promises that we will live forever, that we will never die.